Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. You are forgiven. So Daddy wants you to know today that you are forgiven. And I love this photo that is on this particular slide. If you check it out, this is one of my favorite photos. You notice there's a man absolutely worn out, completely tired, and Jesus is standing behind him, holding him with all of his strength, all of his might. There's a hammer in his right hand and a nail in his left hand, right? And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there in those moments where you've tried and you've tried and you've strived and you've strived and you've tried to overcome and you've pressed in and nothing's breaking and it's it's like a plaguing sin a plaguing sin right and you've tried and you've tried and then you have that revelation that encounter with God's perfect love with his grace with his forgiveness with the finished work on the cross and you realize he actually loves you in the midst of your mess and you have to deal with the reality that you were the one that holds the hammer and the nail. And it was your sin that put him on that cross, right? And it's a bittersweet thing because in that moment you know that you're forgiven and you're loved and you're embraced and you're accepted. But the law of God is written in our hearts so it can be so painful sometimes. Because we don't want to make mistakes. We know he's worthy of perfection. We understand the standard. Amen. But today, Abba wants you to know you are forgiven. The verse he gave me that went along with this, I just kind of talked to Holy Spirit as I'm written this, literally, this whole sermon literally came in two minutes. So I get in my room and I ask him, he tells me, tell them you're forgiven. And I say, well, what verse? What verse do you want to use, Father? And he gives me this one, which surprised me. You can turn to 2 Peter. We're going to be in 2 Peter 1. 1 through 9, back and forth throughout this sermon, okay? I'm going to be using several versions, so don't panic when mine doesn't align with yours, okay? We love the Word of God, and we believe that God gave the different interpretations through multiple people because there's different facets of the original language that are brought out in each translation. So study to show yourself approved and enjoy all of those, okay? Primarily, it'll be um, New International Version and the Passion Translation. So I go to the verse, I know what it says, I'm familiar with it. And I read this first piece here, 2 Peter 1, 1, and I, I noticed something I hadn't noticed before. And it reads, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. And I read that for the first time, a faith as precious as ours jumped off the page. I've never really seen that before. He started to speak to me about, initially, just the idea that those who through the righteousness of our God, right, the idea that it's his righteousness, not our righteousness, we talk about that a lot here. It's not by works, nor by might, but by his spirit, saith the Lord. Christ has become for us righteousness from God. But this faith as precious as ours jumped right off the page. When I looked it up in the Greek, it literally means of the same kind. So Peter's saying to the people here in this letter, your faith is the same kind as mine. And an apostle whose shadow healed people. We don't... It doesn't tell us in this book if they were walking in those kinds of miracles, but there was such an honor in what he said. It's the same faith, that seed, that sperm of Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the exact same faith. It may be in seed form. It may be in a different time of its season, of its growth, of its maturity, but it's the exact same faith, the exact same glory. It's of the same kind. 
I love the way he held them in equal honor. I just, it just hit me afresh. Does that strike you at all? And I feel like that's something Father God wants you to know. That same faith that the apostles have, you have the same faith dwelling in you. It's the same kind. It is equal. Nothing lacking, nothing missing. That same faith dwells in you, that dwells in them, dwells in me. Then I went on to verse 2, 2 Peter 1 and 2, and it says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the power of God to overcome, to walk both in the power and the character of God. Amen? Or the character of Christ, rather. Peace is shalom. It's absolute tranquility. It's the ability to be completely undisturbed, completely free from agitation. We like to talk about this a lot in the Women of Glory group. We talk about the three Ds, okay? We say when we're out on the field and we're pressing in and we're on those front lines, the enemy comes in three ways and there's three Ds. He tries to come through distraction, squirrel. Anybody seen up? Okay, you ever been in the middle of a battle and all of a sudden your phone's buzzing, somebody's texting you at just the right time when you're trying to do your declarations and your creeds. I turn my phone on airplane mode right before I do it because every time somebody texts me or tries to call. I'm like, Lord Jesus, no. Turn it right off. Get rid of distractions. The second D is discouragement. He tries to take your courage. Dis means not. Discourage someone means to take their courage away from them. Courage being the willingness or the bravery necessary to do something that seems impossible or difficult or may, in fact, be painful. So he comes and tries to take away your courage to discouragement. And then number three, the third D is division. Okay? He'll try and come to bring discord and division between you and others. Right? We're called to be one body with one Lord because there's one faith and one baptism and one God who is in all, through all. Amen. So we tease a lot on our Word of Glory team. We say, distractions, no big deal. We can pray for you. Discouragement, not an issue. We can take care of that and encourage you. But division, we don't tolerate it. We slice it off at the knees. Because division can cause real problems. Amen. You need to know that. So I'm praying this through, and I just heard, if you have a lack of peace, ask Holy Spirit to help you know God. Look at that verse. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through, through what? Through the knowledge of God. We have to know him to have peace. If we don't know how good he is, we won't have peace. If we don't know how powerful and how able and how willing and how loving he is, we won't have peace. If we don't know what his word says about a very specific circumstance, and who he's called us to be, and what his promise said, and what his will is. We can't even pray according to his will. We have to know our God. We have to know his ways to have shalom. Amen? And if you lack grace, I just feel like Daddy wanted me to tell you, which is the power to walk in the character of Christ, right? In the power and in the character of Christ. Get to know God. Spend some time in his word. Ask him to meet with you. It goes on then into 2 Peter verse 1 and 3, and it says, I was assuming Todd's doing this morning. God love you. Thank you, darling. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And again, here it is through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And we use this verse all the time. But I'm starting to see a pattern. Knowing God. Knowing Jesus. Knowing God. Knowing Jesus. You want peace? Shalom. You have to know who he is. You want grace and power to walk in the supernatural and to walk in character? You've got to know God. You've got to know Jesus. I love that it says he has given. Okay? So turn to your neighbor and say you've already got it. You've already got it. And decree that over yourself. Say, I already have everything I need. I'm not waiting on Jesus. I'm not waiting on Jesus. 
I'm waiting on me. I'm waiting on me. Okay. You got it, Erla. And again, it was through the knowledge of him. I love this word knowledge. Okay, we've talked about this before. Epignosis. It means true knowledge. Recognition of who God truly is. It literally means knowledge gained through firsthand experience. It, it, it infers a practical relational knowledge. So God, your Heavenly Father, He who exists, and you get to Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Savior, experientially, because you're conversing with Him day in and day out. You know what His Word says. You know what His promises say. You're calling on His name. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a Wednesday thing. It's not just a morning thing. But you get to the place where it becomes an all-day thing. You can't stop talking to him. The love in you grows so strong. The experiences are so good. The touches are so precious. You can't not converse with him all day long. And then sometimes I'll be driving in my car, and I, real, I realize that the Holy Spirit wakes me up, and I realize I've ignored it for a couple minutes. And I know this sounds ridiculous, but I'll just reach over and put my hand in the car like, I remember. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to ignore you for the last 15 minutes because my head was full. That kind of experiential knowledge, like you would have between a husband and a wife, or two best friends, or two sisters, or two brothers. Amen? It's beautiful. Talking and thinking about the knowledge piece, I was reminded of a verse that's in Daniel, and we have talked about this before, but it came up again, so I feel like I'm supposed to share it here today. This is the Amplified Version, Daniel 11:32, and it says, with smooth words, in parentheses, of flattery and praise, he will turn to godlessness those who are willing to disregard the covenant. But the people who are spiritually mature and know their God will display strength and take action to resist. And there's two kinds of knowledge. That's why I'm bringing this up. There's a knowledge that puffs up and makes us proud. It makes us think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. It causes us to be critical and judgmental of others. And I want to encourage you because every young believer goes through this. Okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, I've been there. I've been there. Say, don't feel bad. But quit. <laughs> right? That's all right. Every young believer goes through that, right? It's sort of like the teenage years for the kids or the little toddler who thinks they know everything because you let them cook it in with you twice. growth process, and it's okay. But you do need to know the difference, okay? Then there's this other knowledge, a knowledge of God, and it's that experiential knowledge we talked about, and it literally fills us with this perfect, redemptive love as we persevere. Because perseverance produces character and character hope. It edifies those around us. It builds upon and continues to encourage, it builds upon the foundation of the word and continues to encourage those around us to become everything God created them to be. And that increases, right, incrementally, because we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a simple sha da 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 download. I think some of us in the prophetic, we want that, right? Like, oh, Lord, just give me the impartation. Right? The impartation comes in seed form. We can get the gifts through impartation. The gifts are irrevocable, but character... You have to persevere on the character. And I'll tell you what, we say this all the time, but I'll choose character over gifts any day. Because someone with all the gifts and none of the character will be a blessing to the body, but ultimately will end up harming them in the long run. They'll do more harm to the sheep than they'll do good. There are seasons when the Lord will allow us to depend on others to know him and be encouraged. And then there are seasons where we start to outgrow that a little bit, and it's not a bad thing. Sometimes it's because of circumstances in their life. Sometimes it's because it's just not meeting your need anymore. Sometimes it's because you've moved out of a location or you've shifted. And that's not bad. That's healthy. That actually is a good thing. It means you're growing up. It means you're coming into who it is you're called to be. Okay? There's seasons where Daddy says, Baby, I need you to know me experientially. 
And if you keep running to so-and-so, and you keep running to so-and-so, and you keep going to this conference and to that conference to get this, to get that, to get this, to get that, I need you to sit down. I need you to listen. And I want to speak directly to your heart. I want to take you out to dinner. I just picture a father and a young child or a teenage son or daughter. Son, daughter, I want to take you out to dinner. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to hear your heart. I want to know what you're struggling with. I want you to, not just for you to know me here through my word, but I want you to be able to bear your soul to me. I want to be known by you and, and have and you be known by me. I want you to tell me all. There's no better feeling in the world than when I sit down with my son or my daughter. And I love this. Gene is so great about this because he's can't be moved out, right? So him and Jack equal days. I'm like, yeah, talk to me. You know, mamas do that sometimes. The joke is they call me smother, okay? Whatever. I'm okay with that. I am who I am. I am. I'm okay with that. Whatever. Good mother smother, okay? That's what we do. I swear deep down somehow I'm Jewish. I don't know. But I, I was like, how was your day? How are your dreams? What's going on? Talk to me, right? And there's no better feeling in the world when I don't have to ask me, says, hey, ma, I just want to tell you about my day. I'm like, oh, drop everything, turn off the phone, close on the computer, put my prayer books up inside. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going to stop. Because my baby came to me of his own free will and wanted to tell me about his day or her day. And I want to hear it. I want to hear it because it helps me understand where they're at, what they're struggling with, what they're excited about, how God is moving in their lives. And I'm able to love them so much better. Even if they don't need advice and they don't need solutions and they don't need me to do anything, it connects my heart to theirs and there's an intimate exchange that occurs. And it gives me a knowing that I know that I know that they're okay. And knowing that I know that I know that I'm valued, that I'm loved. And in knowing that I know that I know that God is at work. It's the best feeling in the world. Can any other parents, aunties, uncles relate? Okay, boyfriends, girlfriends, I don't know. The works and all that thing, right? Yeah. And then this is the second verse that kind of came up regarding knowledge specifically because we saw that pattern of know God. If you want to have peace, if you want to have grace, you've got to know God, right? And it's John 17, 3. It says, now this is eternal life, that they know you. Let that sink for just a second. That is eternal life, that we would know him, the only true God, true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That rocked me, right? You're familiar with that verse that talks about in the end times, right? when we go up and get raptured, that there will be some people knocking out something, gate, gnashing their teeth. Let us in, let us in, let us in. Like, why aren't we in there? What does he say? Away from me, you men of lawlessness. I never knew you. He doesn't say, you never knew me. He says, I never knew you. You did not take the time to come and bear your soul. You didn't come like my son and say, I want to talk to you. I have to talk to you today. I have to tell you this. This is what's going on. That's why we talk so much about transparency here, the importance of transparency and pulling back the proverbial veil, if you will. Daddy is a good daddy. But to receive the fullness of our inheritance, we have to take off the masks. We have to pull back the veil. We have to be real and yield and absolutely surrender our hearts and say, oh, this is really ugly, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. Because the truth is the matter is, we can't get out of that place without him anyway. We can pretend like it doesn't exist, but then we just start in torment, right? Kind of in that, that superficial place, amen? So I love this verse. Now this is eternal life that you know, that they know you, that experiential knowing. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom you have sent. That's the Passion Translation. I love it. So it goes back to that peace. Then it goes on to 2 Peter 1.8 and it says, and I love this, if you possess these qualities, somebody say if. 
Yeah. Say it again. If, because I don't hear yeah. If. Okay, there are some things in our covenant that are still conditional. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, okay, it's not saying you're not saved. You're saved. You can be saved. But if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your what? Knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These qualities refers to the following lines in the verses, which are faith, goodness, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Go ahead and go to the next slide. You guys like my little thing? Isn't that cute? What's it look like? That's right, it looks like a heart. Stay right there. Okay. Isn't that beautiful? Happy Valentine's Day. Yes, every day is Valentine's Day with Daddy. We're growing in this experiential knowledge of God day in and day out, right? And it just takes time. It just takes time, and it's okay. It takes time with God, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, getting to know them, conversing with them, having an experiential relationship with them, and it takes time with others. Right? We kind of, sometimes the pendulum will swing both ways. We're like, oh, I'm just going to spend time with God, 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 because he's perfect and he doesn't hurt me. And oh my goodness, this feels so wonderful. I don't want to come out of the cave. Is anybody else feeling there except for me? Okay, let's be honest. We have the seasons, right? Then the pendulum swings the other way. You get really bored. The bones get dry. You come out. you got so much fire. You can't keep your mouth shut anymore. You send you out to the people. Right? And you're like, I gotta spend time with people, 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 and tell them what I know because God is so good. Right? And then you get a little, your love gets tested, your faith gets tested, your knowledge gets tested, you're like, oh, I'm swinging back over here, I need to get back with God, 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 God. Like, I get filled up with all oh, these people, I just don't know. You know? And they send you back out again, and eventually swings the other way. Right? That's the process. And it's cyclical. It's a cyclical process, okay? A lot of things in God's kingdom are cyclical. They go around and around and around and again. And we never actually arrive because God is love. He is that top characteristic of love. Everything flows from love and to love. Because God is love. He is inexhaustible. We will always, always be growing and pressing into more of love because love is a person. And love is eternal. I love the saying that we are sons and daughters of God and we do not work to obtain our Father's love. But because we are loved, we do work. And we serve Him as a result of being loved so well. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory. You'll notice it goes from love, us being loved by God, then we move to faith that fills us with the faith to believe. Then it goes to goodness. Anyone can do something good for someone else and not necessarily have a good feeling about it inside, but they know it's sort of like when we say it's the right thing to do, right? It starts out with the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Then we move from the place that it's the right thing to do to actually having knowledge and understanding why it's the right thing to do and wanting to do it because we understand why. We gain some understanding. Once we get that knowledge, sometimes it's hard to keep our mouths shut because we can't understand when we've been in the cave with God and all these wonderful revelations He's shown us when we get out with people why people don't know what we know. They don't understand what we understand. And then it takes a measure of self-control to keep our mouths shut. To not be critical, to not judge them, to love them where they're at because we forget, you know, sometimes that we were there right before we went back in the cave last season. Amen. Isn't that funny how we are? And then in that place of self-control, we have to learn to persevere. Okay? Perseverance is just self-control for a really long time. Over and over and over and over and over again. That's all it is. So if you just keep practicing self-control, you practice it every day, you are intentional to do it again and again and again, you're going to be persevering. You're going to turn around one day and say, wow, I learned perseverance. And I love that verse. Perseverance produces character, and character what? We say this all the time. Hope. It produces hope because when you persevere, the next thing on Daddy's list is godliness. You begin 
the fruit of his love begins to grow in your life. And it's not as difficult. You go in the cave and you come out here and you're like, oh, this was a little easier this time. We had a couple hiccups. It wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be, but it wasn't as big of a mess as it was last time. Amen? Let me move from that place of godliness to mutual affection. I genuinely care. I genuinely feel compassion. I genuinely want to encourage this person. I genuinely am concerned. Yes. And then we move from there to love. Mm -hmm. Where the fruit of Christ in that particular situation becomes so one with him that we say, I will lay down my life for this individual. And like Esther, you know, we are willing to go before kings and be brave and take big chances and say, if I perish, I perish. I'm, a, I'm okay with dying on this mountain so God can be glorified. Can anybody say amen? Amen. amen? No, full well, like Abraham, that he is able to raise us up. Right? Being able to say with Jesus, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord, my own accord, only to take it up again. This is why my father loves me. And that revelation starts out. This is why my father loves me. When I'm willing to do this, when I'm willing to lay my life down for others, when I'm willing to live sacrificially, this brings him the greatest joy. And therefore, because he has loved me so well, it goes back to the cycle. Because he has loved me so well, I will step out in faith again and go around this whole cycle again and again and again as many times as it takes. Moves on to 2 Peter 1 9. And it says, But whoever does not have them, these things we just discussed, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Nearsighted, I had to look up the definitions because I get confused on which is which, right? I guess nearsighted means I can see near, but for some reason I get it mixed up. <laughs> So I had to look it up this morning, and uh, it says this, a person who is unable to see things clearly unless they are relatively close to their eyes, right? So it has to be right in their face, right in front of them, right? But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Unseen. Okay, so we want to be farsighted, okay? That's the call. But all of us start out nearsighted. All of us do. I love this piece too. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. In those moments when we're like, I gotta see it right from my face. I need this now. We're having a panic moment, right? And we've all been there. It's because we forget that we've been cleansed and we're clean. That Jesus paid the price. You're gonna be all right. I'm clean. I'm covered. I'm forgiven. I'm okay. We forget who we are. We lose a piece of the armor, either the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, right? That clean. We're clean because of his finished work on our behalf. Amen. The Passion Translation says, You are clean. I love it. It says, But if anyone lacks these things, he is blind, constantly closing his eyes to the mystery of our faith and forgetting his innocence. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you've been deemed innocent. You've been deemed innocent. That's right. Daddy says, she's innocent. Come on, he's innocent. For his past sins have been washed away. Okay? It goes on in 2 Peter 1.10 and the Passion again. For this reason, and I love this, beloved ones. We always tease and say, you be loved. You're his beloved. You be loved. God loves you. Be eager to confirm and validate. God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. Tell your neighbor, say, you've been branded. You've been branded. You've been branded. <laughs> as a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide. 
to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Come on. This tells us several things. Number one, that you be loved. You be loved. That's right. Amen. And that we've been invited, right, into this place of salvation. And God said, that one's mine. That is my son. So when the enemy comes running, he's sitting in the heavenly places saying, that is my daughter. Just like he did with Job. Did you see my servant Job? Did you see my daughter Lyra? Did you see my son Matthew? Did you see him? You see how good he's doing? Sometimes the attack doesn't come because you're doing something wrong. The attack comes because you're actually moving in the right direction. And God's up top bragging on you about how amazing you are. And the enemy goes, oh, yeah, 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 what about this? He's like, go ahead, I trust my son. I believe in my daughter. Let's see. My son, my king of kings' son, the glory of my very self is on the inside of them. They're going to get through this. Watch me work. It's, I, I can just see like a, a dad at a football game or a basketball game, you know, knowing that his son or his daughter has the skills to totally slam dunk the ball or get the touchdown, whatever it is. And he's so proud. And, and he's got a heckler, right? Right next to him, heckling. Yeah, that kid, they can't do this. That kid can't do that. They can't do that. And he turns to us and says, all right, hold on. Coach, put him in. Put him in, because that's my baby. And a whole nother level of, I guess, what would you call a father that smothers? I don't know. The, the male aspect of a smother comes out, okay? Bragging, bragging on their baby. It is finished. You are forgiven, and you have been washed clean. We've got to know that we are forgiven. We've got to know. How do you know? How do you know that you know that you know? So you're not wandering around wondering every day and questioning yourself and thinking about it and then feeling bad or feeling condemned or whatever. 1 Peter 3, 18. It says, For Christ died for sins once and for all. Once. It is finished. The righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That was the purpose, so that men would be reconciled to God. So you could have this experiential relationship with the perfect Heavenly Father and know that you are loved and you were created with a purpose. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in spirit. That's all right. The presence is heavy when they fall asleep. He died for your sins, past, present, and future. Let me turn that on. I'll try to do this for Todd. Two promises. First John 1 9. Okay, how do we know that we're forgiven? Two promises. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive. Tell your neighbor he will forgive. You just gotta confess it. When I put my babies to bed when they were younger, I always used to say, who loves you? They'd say, God. I said, who always forgives you when you ask them to? God. Who's raising you up to be a worshiping warrior? God. That's right. God always, always, always forgives us when we ask him to because it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just and he will forgive us and our sins. And I love this second promise. Not only will he forgive us, but he'll purify us from all unrighteousness. So the moment you confess your sin, the moment you get it out in the light, you actually have the grace of God on you, in you, washing over you. You're washed. Once it's out, you're washed and you're pure. So some of you have confessed some things and you just need to cling to this promise that you're pure. Say that I'm out. Say, I am pure. I am pure. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And some of y'all need to walk in the light. There's things you've been doing for a long time. You've been talking about. You're keeping that mask on. You're holding it fast. People try to help you gently pull it off, and you're like, it's like suction to your face. You know, you're like, yeah, no, you ain't getting that off. I ain't showing you the. I'm not showing you this. You super glue that sucker every morning. You don't want nobody to see your mess. The mask. You know. 
look more like him. When you behold his glory, you're literally transformed into his image. It's as simple as saying, I need your help, Lord. I need your help. Save me. I love David's prayer in the Psalms. One, two words. Save me. Peter, when he was walking on water, help. <laughs> help. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Right? Sometimes, I can be pretty wordy. That's my gift. But it's okay. Sometimes I'm just like, help. I do not know. Help. Help what? I don't know, Daddy. Help. You know. I have no idea. I just know something's wrong. And I need your help. And he answers every time. Acts 3.19 in the Passion Translation says, this is another way that we know. And now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed and so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. So repentance is kind of the same thing as walking the light. We just talked about that, right? That's only half of it. But we must also turn back to the Lord wholeheartedly. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. That's why I'm so well to worship up here all the time. Because I want more of Him. Once you've tasted and seen how good He is and the glory and grace that accompanies His presence and the encounters, the experiential relationship with Him, it's like you can't get enough. And out of my wish, honey, I've tried it all. I have tried it all. There is nothing in this world that compares to the joy of seeing my Father face to face and being embraced by His perfect love. Nothing. When we turn back to Him wholeheartedly to receive His love again and again and again, we're made whole. We're turned into His image. We're refreshed. We're strengthened. We're encouraged. And sometimes we still have this works mentality. Like we want to punish ourselves a little bit longer because we know we messed up. So we try and stay out and be like, nah, I'm going to hang back here for a little while. I know I've done some people wrong. I don't deserve this. Everything I'm getting, that's, that is what I deserve. I better just, I'm not going up to the altar. I'm not going to receive that. I know I should have done better. I knew, I knew this was wrong and I did it anyway. You don't have to punish yourself because God already punished Jesus. And the only question is, will you thank him for it? And will you humble yourself to receive it? And then run full force back into the arms of your perfectly heavenly Father because he is waiting for you. His forgiveness is also complete. You can know that you are forgiven and his forgiveness is also complete. It is absolute. It is not missing or lacking anything. In Psalm 103, 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows that we are formed. He understands how we were formed. He remembers that he formed us out of the dust of the earth. He knows we're just us. Apart from the spirit. It's sort of like your little niece and your little nephew. Little cute, little chubby, wubby two-year-olds that are couch surfing, right? And they get their hand in a peanut butter jar and they're doing this. And it's all over their face. You're not mad at that two-year-old. You're like, that is so adorable. Oh my goodness, everybody laughs. Right? He's not mad at you. God is not like your earthly father. He is perfect and he loves you perfectly every time. He always has compassion on you. His motive towards you and the things he says to you are always love toward you. And east and west are two opposite directions. They're never going to touch. They will never meet. That's how far he has removed your sins from you. Once you confess, once you ask for forgiveness, once you receive that, East is never going to meet West, and your sins are never, ever going to be brought up again. Hebrews 10, 14, and 17, I'm not going to read the whole context here, but it says, Because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy, it goes on a bit down in verse 17, and says, Then he adds 
their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. So not only does he remove them as far as the east is from the west, okay? But then he goes on here and he says, their sins and lawless acts, he says, I will remember them no more. God isn't up there talking about how messed up you've been. God isn't up there chit-chatting with the angels about the mess you made in your life. It's not happening. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. They never touch again. He isn't up there having conversations about it. They're forgotten. He said he remembers them no more. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows all things. It's not like he can't remember them. He chooses not to. His love is so strong, so fiery, so pure, that when he looks at you, he cannot see it anymore. He doesn't see it. He says, that's my son. That's my daughter. When my son and my daughter sin against me or make a mistake, I don't hold on to that for years to come. As soon as they come to me with that little, mommy, I'm so sorry, mama, please forgive me. I shouldn't have done this. My heart melts like butter. I'm like, of course, baby, come here. Hey. Right? I have my potty in their arms. That's my baby. And Father God feels that same way about you. He remembers them no more. And this is so cool, you guys. The first part of that verse, you are perfect in spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are perfect. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are perfect in spirit. Yes, you are. And you are in the process of having that worked out in your soul, okay, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, but you're already made perfect. You're not trying to arrive at a place of perfection. Your spirit is made perfect. You're literally a new creation. And you're just in that process of the heart that we looked at. Okay? And you're going from faith to faith and glory to glory. I love this next one. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Isaiah 1.18. It's like a good meal. Yes. This one is like a good meal. Listen to this. Abba said, come now. Let us settle this matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. This, I felt when I wrote this down and I typed this up today that this was a word for some of you. Like Father God is saying to you, come, child. Come now. Let us settle this once and for all. I'm going to have a conversation with you and I need you to know it is settled, it is done, it is finished. Yay. Settle is yakoch. I know it sounds like you're hocking something up there, but that's how it's said, okay? It means literally to decide. Let us decide this once and for all. Let us argue this once and for all. Let us correct this once and for all. I am going to write a judgment and finality on your behalf. It literally means, it's a legal term, a judge. It means to be cleared in a courtroom. Where the judge considers and declares something to be true in a lawsuit or a case against someone. Renders a decision surely to reprove and to clear an individual. You are cleared. You are forgiven. Come on. Does anybody else get excited about that? Yeah. I'll tell you why I get excited. Because it is the key to freedom. It is the key to walking both in the supernatural of God. It is the fullness of his character. It is the key to changing cultures, to changing nations, and to changing cities. And that is who you were created to be. I don't know what this world has told you, but you are designed and destined to change history and to change the world. God desires to do great exploits through you. We were not made to wander around aimlessly wondering who we are and what we're created to do. We have a purpose. Yes. He has a plan for our lives. I don't care if you're 93 or 15 or 2 years old. It is never too early. There is no Holy Spirit Junior and God will speak. He will speak to you. He loves you. He's longing and waiting for you to say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Yes. 
Lord, here I am. Send me. He says, yes. Yes. How do we know? Colossians 1, 13 through 14 in the NIV says, he has rescued us. Some of us need some rescuing. I needed to be rescued, y'all. I just did. I just did. And I love that about God. We love the superhero movies. We love the stories about the king that comes and saves the damsel in distress. We love the stories about the, the father that goes and finds the lost son. This is our Heavenly Father. He went out on a journey to rescue us in our time of need. To save us when we needed saving. To find us when we couldn't find ourselves. To help us see when everything else around us is spinning and dark and we can't understand. But we know that we know this is not who we were created to be. He rescues us. Yay. From the dominion of darkness, the scripture says, and he brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have redemption. That says on the screen, in the home. That's right, in being home with him. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. To redeem, the definition is the action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for payment and the clearing of a debt owed. A lot of us have some debt that's owed. We've made mistakes. But I want to tell you something. Jesus paid for it on the cross. He paid the ultimate price. The price was precious and it was valuable. It was, quite frankly, it, it was immeasurable. So whatever it is you're struggling with, whoever this is for, your debt is paid. In full, past, present, and future. Hallelujah. Your Abba and Heavenly Father has moved you out of the prison to the palace, out of the kingdom of the taskmaster, the enemy, the tormentor, into the kingdom of his beloved Son, the one who is gentle and meek and lowly of heart, who says, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll still your mind, I'll quiet your soul. I'll comfort you like a child that's just been weaned off his mouth. You know, I will give you rest for your souls. That scripture in Hebrew that talks about if we're going to labor, we need to labor to enter into the place of rest. Labor to enter into a rest. I'm going to teach on this another time, but it is a study on the one prayer that God wrote in the Bible. And it's in Numbers, I want to say 2-6 or 6-2, I get my numbers flipped around. But it's the one, it's, we call it the Irish blessing. Are you familiar with that? Okay. Um, yes, yes, may it cause his face to shine upon you, right? To lift up your countenance, okay? In that prayer, when you look at the Hebrew in that particular prayer, and I'll teach on this soon, next time maybe toward the end the entire thing is actually a picture of our perfectly heavenly father he who exists kneeling down into the face of his child and bestowing the father's blessing on the child that's what it is in Hebrew literally and in the very last component of Abba's prayer he talks about, may you have peace, or shalom. And that shalom isn't just peace of mind. It means absolute wholeness and tranquility and rest. Being completely free of all agitation, frustration, deception, fear. It's that thing that we experience in those moments when we go, oh, I don't want to leave you right now, Daddy. The 
best feeling in the world. It's those aha moments. It's the oh, he's so good moments. It's the wow, I've got to tell someone about him moments. John 19:30a. my husband has this tattooed on his arm. It says when Jesus was on the cross, so when he received the sour wine, the last prophetic act that he needed to fulfill before he could go home to be with the Lord, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. In the Greek, you could also translate that it is accomplished. Your purchase has been made. It is done, child of God. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are bought back. You are free. You are cleansed. And you are cleared of your debt. Can anybody say amen? amen. I'm just saying. That's something to get excited about. I felt like Father God also wanted me to tell you today that there is no sin God will not forgive if we ask him to. Murder, forgivable. Abortion, forgivable. Hate, forgivable. Gossip, forgivable. Anger, forgivable. Swearing, forgivable. Rape, forgivable. Pornography, forgivable. Incest, forgivable. Adultery, forgivable. Fornication, forgivable. Homosexuality, forgivable. I want to apologize on behalf of the church because we have not handled the sin of homosexuality well. We have taken Romans 1 and 2 out of context and focused on the depravity of it instead of the verses that follow it. I'm just going to go there real quick. I feel like we're supposed to go to Romans 1 and 2. If you want to turn there with me, go back. This needs to be said because the reality is the hour we are in is prevalent. And we need to start talking about it. The enemy has done his best to try and pervert the identity of the sons and the daughters of God. And he's doing it through homosexuality. Convincing them that something's wrong with them. That this is who they are. That because they're gentle or kind-hearted, that this is how he made them. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. But they don't know him, so they don't know that. In verse in chapter 2, it says... Uh, this is after, so, so just so you know, chapter 1 is where it starts to talk about the sin, okay? Verse 20, it talks about the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities and eternal power are made known to all nature, being clearly seen and understood from what, was, what has been made so that men are without excuse. And we are without excuse because the law of God is written on our hearts and we know the truth. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. The gateway to every single sin in the world is not acknowledging God and giving him glory and being unthankful. It all starts with that. That sounds ludicrous. It sounds absolutely ludicrous, but it's true. It all starts with being not being thankful. So you, you, it talks about that sin of homosexuality. We're very familiar with those verses, 121 all the way down through 2. And he, he, this is what he said. This is what's interesting. The title here is God's Righteous Judgment. It says, you therefore have no excuse. Now he's talking to the body of Christians. You who pass judgment on someone else for whatever point you judge the other, you condemn your own self because you who pass judgment do the same things. I don't know if you're aware of this, but in Proverbs, the things that God lists is what he hates. Homosexuality is not one of them. Gossip is. Pride is. Does that surprise you? It hit me afresh today. How as a culture, we've kind of railed up an entire people group. Did you know that 90 plus percent of individuals who struggle with homosexuality have been sexually abused at a young age? Over 90 percent. That's going to mess with your head. That is going to confuse an individual about their identity and who they are and who they're called to be. And as the body of Christ, we have got to be loving and kind and gracious and gentle. After the Lord kind of Paul rebukes the church here through, the Lord rebukes the church through Paul. He goes on and says, so when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? 
Is it possible that some of the things we're seeing in our nation right now are a result of the corporate church's sin against these precious ones? Our unwillingness to love them, to be kind, to call them in, to minister. It resonates so clear in my spirit right now. If you can agree, say amen. He goes on in verse 4 and he says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, the tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is what leads men to repentance? One translation says it is the goodness of God and the kindness of God that draws men to repentance. That's why being good and being kind is so important. Even when you don't want to be in the grocery line, the lady in front of you is totally taking forever and freaking out. And blaming you for it. Okay? The goodness and the kindness of God, it draws them to repentance. It calls them in. It's the sweet fragrance that makes them want to turn. I just had to say that because that was bugging me this morning. I know it's a sidebar, but... And then a 2A, a little further down, it says, For those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth, who follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. When we sin... The partnership with the enemy and being under the taskmaster's rule is pain enough. It's judgment enough. It's bad enough. When we do those things, when we sin, when we follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human who does evil. It goes on in Romans 2.9, it says, First to the Jew, then to the Gentiles. Poor things. You've God's chosen people, but you get it. The bad first and the good first. I just want to point out here, believers will have trouble too. We live in a fallen world, amen? But what's God say? What's Jesus say? In this world you will have tribulation, but what? Take heart. That's right, for I have overcome the world. Amen? <laughs> It goes on to say in Romans 2.10, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First to the Jew, so you get the blessing first to, then to the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. I think sometimes that enemy tries to play games with our heads and make us think that um, God's not just. But he is. He is always just. He does not show favoritism. If we're pressing in and clinging to something wicked and malicious or unkind or something that's not of him, we will experience that wrath and that anger and that disappointment, not because God is cruel, but because we've actually partnered with the enemy. And then when we turn, we, we get glory and honor and peace when we turn back to him and we surrender and we go through that heartfelt process of doing good. Do you want to carry his glory? I do. Hallelujah. Then do good. Hallelujah. Do you want to be honored? I do. Then do good. Do you want to have peace? Amen. I do too. Shalom, shalom. Then do good. God's ways are always above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts and we can trust him and continue to not be weary in well-doing. I want to come back to this image again and look at this heart one more time. This is the process. Sometimes I was talking to a friend and the individual said something to me that stirred this up in me, so I want to share this. Sometimes when we get weary, when we're pressing into a place of maturity, we're coming into our next level with God, it can feel like this process is a gerbil wheel and we're wasting our time. I'm just going round and around and around and around. I'm running on this gerbil wheel and it seems like it's taking forever. Is anything changing? Is anything happening? And I just want to say to you, it is not a waste of time. Obeying God and doing good is never, ever, ever a waste of time. 
When we are weary, it feels like a waste of time. If we get into the position where our hearts and our bodies are just going through the motions, we're keeping the mask on, we're just doing what we need to do, doing it, doing it, doing it, because we're in that place of going through the motions and trying to attain it through our works, it can be a waste of time. But it's never a waste of time when our heart is positioned to go from faith to faith and glory to glory, to continue to take off our mask and say, here I am, God, this is hard. I hate this part of me. Can you change it? Because I don't really feel what I know I should be feeling on the inside, but I want to do what you want me to do. Can you help me get there? Amen? The last one says, uh, so y'all, number one, you are forgiven. Number two, you can know that that forgiveness can never be taken away from you. And it's as simple as confessing it and walking in the light and turning with all of your heart back to God. Number three, there's nothing that is not unforgivable. Nothing. If you ask him and repent. And then number three, don't become weary in well-doing. Galatians 6, 9 says just that. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, somebody say proper time. Proper time. Say that is proper. That is proper. And he knows when it's time. Right? For those of you who have kids, there's a proper bedtime. There's a proper dinner time. There's a proper you need to stand in the corner time. Okay? There's a proper you need a tap tap on your backside because you didn't stand in the corner like I told you to time. There's a proper time to change a diaper. To get the bottle out. That's right. It's proper. There's a proper time to discipline, and there's a time not to discipline and just love and encourage and strengthen. There is a season literally for everything. And when our hearts are with one, when we endure this process, when we focus on his love, we're in time with his heart. So I just feel like he wants me to say to you, do not give up. Let us, together as a body, not become weary in doing good. And I love this. We will reap a harvest. And I'm just saying... The harvest is coming. And I'm just going to decree this over our nation. The harvest is coming. The harvest is coming in Jesus' name. Just say that with me if you agree. The harvest is coming in America. The harvest is coming in your life. The harvest is coming in your destinies. The harvest is coming now, it has already been released from heaven. We are in the year of the apostolic chiefs arising. And for those of you who persevered in a small place like this, let me tell you something. Your harvest is coming. It is time. It is time, and great will be your reward. Great will be your reward. I love you so much, and God loves you. Todd, go ahead and put some music on. I'm going to have Laura and Sheila come up. Would she like to know you Oh, Jamar, yeah, that's right. Jamar was on the line. Okay. Come on, Jamar. Come on up, baby. You're an altar ministry. Laura, you're up as well. Actually, if you want me to. Yeah, okay. And Todd, if you're willing to put some music on, that'd be awesome. Is he up there still? Yeah. Okay, so we are. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to know this. He is the Son of God. And he died for your sins and my sins. He died a horrific death so that the payment for your sin, every sin you've ever committed, known and unknown, could be forgiven in a moment, in six hours, nine hours. And it's as simple as saying, Father, I agree with you. I have sinned and I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. Help me. Heal me. Make me if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, you literally, he gives you a new spirit and you're made new in your inner man. You become perfect. And then out of that place of perfection in you, Christ in you, you can begin to come into all the 
faithfulness of who he's created you to be. Because you are destined with a purpose. If you prayed that today for the first time, I want you to share that with somebody. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.